Hi everyone, Duncan Fletcher back for another segment of the PADS Athlete Development Podcast Series. Our next guest is the president and CEO of the Winston Group, a life skills and sports consulting firm. He has over 25 years of hands-on experience working with professional and collegiate athletes in all areas of their professional and personal lives. He has worked as the executive director of player development for the Kansas City Chiefs from 1993 to 2012 and the Oakland Raiders from 2012 through 2019. He has been recognized by ESPN, the magazine, and the National Football League for his experience working with professional athletes. He created, developed, and implemented National Football League programs for life skills, career transition, and participated in player crisis intervention. He was also a founding member of the NFL's Player Development Steering Committee. He is a longtime athlete development specialist who has done groundbreaking work in the field, with an emphasis on transition. We hope you enjoy our conversation today. Ladies and gentlemen, Lamont Winston. Hi everyone, Duncan Fletcher here, back for another session of the Athlete Development Summit, our PADS podcast series. Very fortunate here to have my colleague, Stephanie Thorburn. Stephanie, how are you doing today? Doing well. Good morning, everyone. Excited for another valuable podcast this morning. Absolutely. Again, we're very fortunate to have uh, a special guest with us today, a longtime NFL player engagement specialist, has worked with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Oakland Raiders, uh, currently runs the Winston Group, president and CEO, Lamont Winston. Welcome to the PADS uh, Summit podcast series. Thank you for having me, uh, Duncan and Steph. Um, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to be on with you. It's an honor. Uh, I think anytime you get an opportunity to just talk player development is something special because that's something that uh, we don't get a chance to do often. And most of the work, as you guys know, a lot of it's behind the scenes, right? So anytime you get a chance to really talk about uh, uh, the industry, um, the day-to-day, uh, the, the the stuff behind the scenes is 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 a pleasure. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an absolute. Uh, like I said, it's, it's the honors at our end. I mean, you're a longtime uh, professional in the space. You've seen a lot go on. I guess one of the first questions I wanted to ask you right out of the gate: You started back, uh, I believe, it was with Kansas City uh, at the NFL level. Uh, when you broke in, what was it like for you, sort of, as an early days athlete development specialist, trying to work with guys? You know, in that environment, that obviously things have changed radically over the last, you know, twenty years or so. What was it like in those early days where you're trying to bring this to the table on a day in, day out basis? Well, if if, if I could, I'd like to give it some context. So for the listeners out there, so you can kind of understand the genesis. You know, player development as they know it today, or player engagement as the industry is known today, first started out as player programs, and it was in 1992 that the league began to uh, look at this. In 93, they rolled out player programs, and literally, it was a brochure. They had four different uh, pillars, right? Continuing education, uh, family assistance, professional development, and, and continuing it. I mean, there was, there, there was just four, and, but it was a brochure. And they basically sent a brochure out to every club, and the, well, the clubs uh, 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 responsibility to give it to somebody. They really didn't care. So my first meeting I went to in Dallas, uh, uh, one of our executives on the business side asked me to look at a VHS tape. Now, I know some of our listeners are very young. So a VHS tape is this block <laughs> thing they use for movies. No. So, What's uh, a VCR? Oh, my yeah, God. VCR. So he asked us, and that really dates me, right? So he, he said, Lamont, look, if you take a look at this, he said, it's about 12 minutes. And he said, if you look at this video, this VHS tape, and, and it takes up more than 12, more than 12% of your time, it's not worth doing. Okay. He's a level a, a VP. I'm like, great. I look at it. Whoa. They have this. And the league is really cool when they put videos together. I mean, they, they do a great job. And so I go to my boss talking to him. And fortunately, he had been with the 49ers and Bill Walsh. So Bill did a lot of innovative things out there with the 49ers in several spaces. So they invited me to, I had to go down to Dallas to a symposium and I was like, wow, they're doing what? And so uh, my boss happened to come down the last day, sat in the back. I didn't know he was coming. And when he got done, we got done with the session. He said, look, I don't know anything about this, but here's what's going to happen. We're going to support you and you're going to run it. 
Okay. Like, okay. Uh, now, again, I was, I came to Kansas City as a scout. And so now they're asking me to do this. In, in 95, they asked me to kind of really do this thing. And so there was no playbook. Okay. So I got it. The head coaches, he know general manager. So my boss did his part, but still the coaches and back in there, like what player program, what continuing education, what like intern, like internship, like for what this is your job. I mean, I had to, I, it, it was, I had to go at it. Right. And so, and on top of that, where do you start in the locker room folks? So I had a veteran locker room, Derek Thomas, Marcus Allen, Joe Montana. I mean, you go down the list and they, they'd never heard anything like this. So now how am I to, I put stuff on the lockers and you know how about, how about that would happen then, and, you know, five minutes later, it's in trash. Some guy just <laughs> yeah. wiped it up, right put it now. on the floor. Right. But so, so I, I wanted our listeners to understand that, you know, um, nobody had, I mean, this thing has come a long way. Uh, uh, it was, it was hard because you had to convince everybody of everything. Right. And so my approach was, okay. Uh, I had came from uh, the college level. I was a, a college football coach for 12 years. So I kind of understood how players work. And I kind of understood how to, to, to use their internal competition, that competitiveness to get them going. So I decided that I was just going to work with the rookies, the young guys. And I mean, I catered to them. I mean, I and the veterans were like, well, 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 like, well, hold on. Oh, Lamont, can you? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. So now you're doing stuff, and they're just testing you, right? But fa- fast forward, uh, and Dave Zott was in that locker room, who's now the, the head of player development engagement at the Jets. He was our starting left guard. Uh, so, oh, wow. but, but what they saw was, you know, I was willing to help. Was I the police at the popo? What, 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 what am I in their locker room for? And you know, you took, you took, you took some verbal hits. <laughs> I had my share. But, you know, you had to be you, you, you had to you know stand firm with it. And so, um, you know, like I said, in the early days, to really get your question is, is, is it was a challenge. And, I, and you know, I'm going to say it was hard because the pro football is hard. So nobody cares if anything's hard or not. But it was a challenge. And, and so what was happening is, in my mind, um, I had to do two things, you know, or actually three things. I had to uh, establish a level of effective communication because. At the end of the day, that will get me to a level of trust. And if I got that level of trust, then I could have, again, start a meaningful relationship, not just a relationship, a meaningful one, meaning that in all those three areas, it's painful conversations that have to happen. And, and, and that needs to happen. Athletes uh, want to see that uh, people usually send you to the athletes and all of our people in player develop- engagement around the country and these colleges and pro teams. They're all sending you to the players when something bad happens, right? I mean, that's, you know, we never go to the good guys, right? right. So, but, but, you know, they want to know if, how you can help them, right? And they watch you very closely. And if you're consistent in whatever your approach is, they begin to trust you a little bit. But you have to, and you have to be honest. And sometimes, you know, it, it, you have to be brutally honest. So um, um, it, it was, it's, it, that's been underlying from my first year to my 24th year in player engagement. I was there when it was player programs and morphed into player development. Heck, I started player develop, calling myself player development at the club level because player programs was negative to the coaches, right? And it, what coaches weren't interested in programs. If I could talk about development and show them how I could, this could help them in the draft process, this could help them in the free agency process, this development and what does that mean? It, it, it took. And then the league um, um, decided, you know, after several discussions, long discussions, but they had to be had to, to change the model from programs to development. And Donnie Shell had a lot to do with this with myself um, because, you know, it was it was like you asked us to do this. We have to make it sellable to the clubs. And so became development. And so uh, then it ultimately became new breed brand and leadership with Troy Vincent uh, player engagement. So. Um, yeah, it, it was it was some humble beginnings, but I wouldn't trade any of it for the world. Now, I think that's a, that's an interesting sort of snapshot in terms of how you came in. And one of the things that you said, which kind of jumped out to me is, especially in those early days, how critical it was to have good communication. And I know you've talked a little bit about this in the past as we were kind of riffing on it. 
How important was that communication? And then what were some of the techniques that you utilized in order to put yourself in a better position to establish that rapport and to engage those players uh, over the long haul? Because like you said, it's not always going to be like, I'm going to sit in front of you and talk to you for 20 minutes. You know, you had a couple of different strategies that you're utilizing to make sure that you set the hook, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, I think what happens is, you know, once um, there's two things going on at the same time. So there's the players. And then there's the coaches, and I I was housed in player personnel, so that's the pro side, the college side. Um, our general manager, or, uh, president general manager, Carl Peterson, was was very supportive all the way through, as was Lamar Hunt, our founder. So so that made it, even though they didn't know, I, I didn't I didn't um, I mean it, it eventually it was about finding trust again. They came to me when stuff was going wrong with the player. That that's that's and once you start jumping in without uh, showing fear, not saying that you you're not fearful because some of this is is some heavy duty stuff and it's personal. And and the only thing you have, and I knew this early on, is trust. And if I did not have trust, I was like salt that's lost its taste. You might as well throw me out. I mean, at the end of the day. And so you know, and so my big thing was you know keep the trust, keep the trust. And the only way I knew how to really do it consistently is to be consistent. And whether that's delivering the good news, the bad news, the ugly news with a particular player or situation, we have to deal with that uh, with, with coaches, right? Um, and, and I think what, what happened was, what was happening is, you know, the trust part of it began to start taking place. Um, uh, the management, if you will, we'll call coaches side, the management side, like like they started seeing that, you know, I, I, with the players' help, you know, going in and addressing whatever issues they have, right? So, uh, you know, the draft process, going in and, and talking about the family, and they give you all scouts give you all the all the family history, alcohol, uh, homelessness, domestic violence, all of it, to be able to visit with that player about it, right? And they don't open up right away. As Steph, well, no, they don't just open up. However. They are curious that you're willing to approach them about something. How are you doing that about me? Okay. And so now it's, we don't want this to become an issue. How do we get to solving it? Right. One of the things early on I learned with the players, one of my techniques was that you're not going to get fired because stuff happens. They're not here to fire you. Okay. Nobody likes to fire people, but they're here for, if they, if it happens and we don't deal with it, we always was we, like I'm with you. All the way. We don't solve this. Things then take another turn. However, we can do this now. And so then who wants to not be on the team? Okay. So what's your plan, Lamont? Well, I need your help. Okay. And there yeah. we go with that balance is starting to happen again with effective, going from a communication to effective communication where I can talk about some of the hard stuff, right? And this trust part of it that begins to happen. Right. Because of the effective communication. Right. Uh, being able to then how do you take the management side and inform them without divulging the confidentiality of the player? That's the other part. And I know uh, that's tricky work, <clears throat> tricky work. And that's what really freezes a lot of people in this industry. And I can imagine even at the collegiate level, because you first of all, you're dealing with year round. From a football standpoint, you're dealing with uh, double the amount of people, right? Uh, if you're responsible for other sports and word travel, as you guys know, so you know it's it's you 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 have to really understand, and the people uh, that you're reporting to need to understand. And I've had to have some conversation. I had one coach who came to our team, very successful coach, highly respected, and said to me, "Came to my office and said, Lamont, I need you to come to the." Uh, being in staff meetings, coaching staff meetings in the morning. Okay. Well, coach, what's my role? Well, I want you in there. And then that way, you know, if we can talk about the players and this, that, and other, I'm like, so I, now I got this head coach in my office and I said, coach, you know, respectfully, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know if that's really effective. I did not want to say, well, I've, I've always done this. You just, you never say I've always just done this. Boy, man, don't ever say that. Listeners, don't ever say that. <laughs> <laughs> I said, Coach, things not to do in player development. 
I said respectfully, you know, coach, I don't know if that's really effective. And I thought he was going to ask me why, and he didn't. He said, well, my last director at my other club, he was in there every meeting, and, you know, the only people that, that, that are around the players know the players, you are the coaches. So then he walked away. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is not good. This is not good. So I went to my boss, who then we went to the general manager and told him, I said, Carl, like, I can't. I can't be in a staff meeting. And I, let, me, I said, let me explain to you why. So I said, if I'm in a staff meeting and I'm hearing them, I've been a coach. I get it. I know what they're like. They're talking about Steph and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, hmm. So now, do I go tell Steph? Do I not? Or they bring up, well, um, Duncan's been doing X. Uh, you know, why? You know, Lamont, what's going on with Duncan? So if I know, you're you working with Duncan yet? No. Now they want you to sit in a room with not only the coaches, but the the the, the video people, everybody. I can't, I can't do that. And so I uh, went to, to our general manager, not my boss, went to this head coach, veteran head coach. He was like their dad, right? He had, they go to him and he, they had to have that discussion. And so this particular coach, about a week later, I'm nervous, man, like a whole week, right? I'm like, this is crazy. He comes in my office and says, okay, well, here's uh, our uh, player development manual from uh, the club I just came from. And he put this thing down on my desk. It might be those big, giant three-ring jobs, like the big ones. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> So-and-so player development. Okay. I said, Coach, I, I, you, you, you'll always be well-informed. He walks out. I'm looking at the team that this thing came from. I'm like, thumb through it. It's basically my stuff. So it's like, oh, wow. right. So it's like, you know, so I, so I get it. So it, it was really, uh, uh, that, that whole piece, man, of, of, you know, you, 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 you're seeing things, other athletes are telling you things, um, you know, drinking, drugging, you know, sexing, you texting, everything there, you're hearing this stuff and how do you address it? Right. And yeah. so, um, <clears throat> there is, Again, a lot of it is experience, but but I think that having guidance in some of these critical situations that people don't see as critical, they're critical. Yeah. I mean, Steph, Steph and I worked very closely when she was at the league office, so she understood it. So it was a lot, it allowed me to have her work when she worked with our players. We we had a great synergy because when I f- turned him towards Steph, I didn't have to think about it. I knew exactly what was going to happen, and then they would come back to me. And talk to me about her and how much they enjoyed, you know, because she understood how to walk through them with these various situations. And so it, it helped boost the trust uh, atmosphere uh, in our locker room. That's really quite cool. Um, and I think, um, you know, obviously, when you start talking about rapport and you start talking about trust, those are absolutely monster issues in our industry if you're going to be successful. And I think one of the things that you had a technique, which you mentioned, which I thought was really interesting, you called it the 10 second bump. And that if you're a professional in this in this industry, you need to know how to talk real tight, real concise in 10 second chunks to to athletes or maybe even to you know to management. Maybe I could just get you to to talk a little bit about a little bit further about that concept and how you utilize that to be successful. Okay. So let me think about think about uh, again, I'll look at your your team, whether it's you know, football, basketball, baseball, and 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 you know when they come on. On, onto the building or into the wherever you're going to have them for meetings, all right, they're there for a certain amount of time, right? So you try to tell them in their downtime at lunch or somewhere, hey, look, you know what? We don't, here's what I'm going to do with you now. So if I look at you and give you this nod, that means I got to talk to you, right? All right. Or I know that when you have to pass a certain way to get to the locker room or to the field or whatever, I'll be there and I might say, hey, Duncan, I need, give me, give me five. Pop over, hey, look, you need to come see me after practice. Got that, got that. Need to have it. Boom, done. They're on their way. Nobody saw them really talk to Lamont. They don't feel like, you know, like they weren't stopped. They weren't, but they know, right? Um, um, uh, and they also were able to, if I'm available, they'll be like Lamont, you know, you know, call my mom. Okay. I need to ask for what? Didn't I, you know, no, I got that. Boom. That meant that if he asked me to call his mom for a reason, I got to jump in it now. He'll come back to me to see what happened in that conversation. So that 10 second bump is really kind of a, hey, I need to visit with you. Hey, boom, come see me, right? Uh, What happened, and we didn't have texting. 
Could you imagine how powerful I'd have been if I'd have had texting? Right? I <laughs> mean, a superhero. What a superhero. A superhero. I mean, they yeah. didn't have textings. I mean, man, it was so it was I was I, you know, we were the king of notes. I, I was big on <laughs> notes, right? Notes, come see me, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, it's like you know those little notepads they give you for your desk. I would just take them, fold it over, boom, put a piece of tape on it, boom, and that's a lot of times that's what that I that was a part of the ten second bump, right? So I can I can hand the guy something, he take it, put it in his pocket, but I knew when he got to where he's going, he you know, <laughs> yeah. that, right? Yeah. And so and so sometimes I've gotten those notes. Guy would write something on the bottom, it'd be stuck underneath my door of my office. So, you know, but not having time should never be a deterrent, right? Because uh, that's a get, brilliant point. Brilliant I mean, point. Yeah. You're in this business. The one thing that every, I don't care what sport you play, every single coach is going to tell you there is not enough time. It, it, that, that is the most valuable commodity in sports. Now, I think that it's time for what? I think we are in a place now, and, I, and I'm so glad. I mean, I just am thrilled to see that this 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 player development space has totally grown uh, on all these various levels because the athletes' well-being they're important. But before you put the sport on them, the person with the last name is important, and you have to put you have to give that some time, right? If you are uh, recruiting, you have to give that part some time, right? And and so. Um, you know, it, 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 in this day and age, they, they're allowing, you know, coaches aren't, the, you know, some coaches, they want to be the, the everything. Well, you know, you're not the expert at everything. You know, some of the athletes knew players, especially the pro level, they knew the coaches had marital issues. Right. So how are you going to tell me about my situation and your situation is bad? Oh, man, I've heard it. I've seen it. I mean, it's, it's um, so I think, you know, in terms of everyone has to go within their own personalities. To, to 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 find that uh, that uncharted area of you know what we used to just say if it's got to get done it will get done like, like if it's got to get and 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 that's just the way it is um, because if something happens right something happens then it becomes everybody's responsibility because it's in the locker room everybody's being faced with it right yeah and then consequently I think that when something great happens for a player a graduation. Baby's born, or you know, a, a bit. You need to celebrate that too, right? So it's just not the the negative. And so um, uh, I just think it's, it's an ongoing communication that needs to happen. Um, and I did a podcast uh, later last uh, last year through football season uh, for player development and uh, people at the various uh, colleges that have had. We had average about you know twelve. We had about five, but it was the number one thing they talked about was. Or two, it was this communication piece and time, right? And, you know, you're going to have, you know, athletes, you guys have both been around them, whether in high school, college, pro, you know, sometimes they're not the most charming people in the world. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> they're, they're just rude. Let's just call it what it is. And most of them like to be rude and call you out in front of other people. Okay. I think that makes you feel. I, I love it that, 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 that women are in player engagement. One of the things that uh, I learned a long time ago was the only consistent person, these young men, especially football that I had, they had in their life was a, was a female. I would ask the question, Duncan, did you play uh, college football, high school sports, whatever? Yeah, I played university hockey. Okay. How many, through, through elementary school, middle school, and high school, how many male teachers did you have? Actually, probably, I gotta say, somewhere in the neighborhood, like three, maybe four through all that. And, and no coaches. So maybe you can eliminate one who was probably a slash coach teacher. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So, so you see that who shapes and forms these young men are these women. And so I made it a point to make sure that, you know, uh, we had that presence in and I needed that, right? These players needed that, right? And so. But these ladies have come into this business, and and sometimes they've taken some heat. But I have, uh, and I've and I've I've always had ladies work for me in player engagement space, and not like just an admin. Like, no, you're gonna come in, you're gonna do the work, right? Yeah. Um, but it was awesome to see them when a player's being rude or say something crazy, how they just naturally stood their ground, and a level of respect happened, right? And I would just watch it, 
it was beautiful. This is a beautiful thing because, you know, um, although these young men uh, sometimes just don't have the right manners, um, they do respect, you know, women. And so women have come a long way in this business. Um, they're vital and it's great to have them as directors, VPs. Um, I think in college, they're, they're senior associate ADs. I think that's, yeah. that's awesome. So, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's, um, and I would say techniques are, are always an ongoing piece. And if you try to stick with just the same ones, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you got to be able to be nimble a little bit and agile, right? And fool them every now and then. Yeah. Thank you, everybody on the shows, 100%. You know, I just wanted to follow up with that because some key things that I think are important, especially for those listeners that are trying to break into the field. Um, are new in the field. You know, you talk about building rapport, establishing a relationship, maintaining trust, and then also the female component. So for those individuals that are new or breaking in, um, you, you talked a bit about it, but you had some support and you had the tenure to um, kind of stand your ground. But for someone new, how do they do all those things? How do they build the rapport? How do they establish that relationship and that trust? You imagine someone that's 27 years old breaking in and they're um, glass-eyed and, and bushy-tailed and they're a female. And, and, you, know, and, so, you said and are female or not? And are a female. You know, it's, it's wonderful someone who is as invested in this space and has been in this space as long as you sees the value of being a female, but many might not. So, you know, it's kind of two points, but it ties together. Just wondering for those newbies breaking in, what, what can you share? I would share this is, you know, um, uh, you know, it's like rookies always talk about the veteran players, right? The veteran players, the veteran. Play- well, guess what? Nobody comes into this league or anywhere without being a, as a veteran. You're a rookie. So everybody goes through it. So so what I had to do and I would I would say the the, the give for the listeners is what is your why? Why do you want to be in player engagement? I mean, why? Right. I mean, and it, because. You know, you want to help athletes. That's not enough. You want to, you know, uh, help them uh, when when they stop playing. That's not enough. Right. You know, it, it's about being invested. Are, are you I want this job because I am invested in people. Period. Right. And when and when you're committed to that. Right. That gives you that inner muscle that gives you that that, that inner of what of what you're going to need you know, on this journey. Um, people, coaches. Uh, that, 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 you know, that, that give you permission, um, they can sense genuine people. They can sense people who are committed to just getting it done, that aren't looking for uh, uh, the title. I've had people, I've hired uh, a young people before and, and probably one of the first ones to have uh, two people on staff. But, you know, they, it's funny, they, they, they want this title. I don't want to be a coordinator. What do you mean? How about just wanting a job? Right. Or, or I have this degree and that degree. Well, uh, you know, you know, you need to you, you have this job. Um, I think your authenticity in terms of what you're committed to, you know, has to be strong. Um, I think for, for for women, you know what? Be yourself. Don't go in and try to be a guy. Like, just be you and use what you have. And what you have is something that men can't duplicate. Right. You're a woman. And you know what? Like I said, in the example with Duncan, like these young men, if there is no father, and a lot of it's like that, right? A lot of kid, inner, you know, inner city kids, there's no dads, right? Well, but there's moms, there's aunts, there's uncles, there's grandmas. There's, there, there's use that influence, right, to help them when things are tough, right, uh, to bring them along. Because it's a different conversation, but you got to be willing to have it. And, and, and when it doesn't happen right away, it, it's... You can't let discouragement, I'm not going to say not get discouraged because you will, but not let discouragement, okay, prevent you from putting that next foot in front of the other. Because that same athlete that you're trying to help that may shut you down, tomorrow may bring a whole situation forward where now he needs you. And you know he's got to come to you, right? And, and so I think that, you know, knowing why you want this particular, be in this particular field, um, why you want to jump from college? I've had a lot of people ask me, well, how do you get in the league? I'm thinking to myself, there's 32 teams in the world. There's, Steph, you're going to know. How many, how many, how many colleges are playing football, Division One? 119, somewhere in there, 20? I, th- I think it's 121. 
121, and that's just division. That's not the rest of the division. How about going there? Those athletes need you too, right? If that that's where you prove, that's where you prove your why. That, that's where you hone your skill, right? Um, uh, give those an opportunity. So I say, you know, that authenticity piece, understanding your why piece. Um, um, you know, if you want to do it, are you willing? If somebody hires you, you know, what kind of conversation are you having with the head coach, assistant coaches? Um, are you willing to go to them and say, "What do you need me to do for you?" Right? Um, knowing that. They'd say one thing, things change. And I would think the last thing is, other pieces is you have to go into this with a level of endurance because they're going to be, um, you lose three games in a row. You know how that is walking into a building and you lost three games in a row? Steph, you've had to go to teams and they've lost on a Sunday. You know how that feels. And you got to do something on a Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, it's- they're not engaged. They have no desire to be there. Crazy, right? Um, uh, you know, so I, uh, and I think the other thing I would say, I'm going to give you a little trade secret listeners. Sometimes the best place to start the relationship is in the training room, get the injured players because when injury happens, folks, the train keeps moving. You want, and and you know, you know how that looks, Duncan, when you get hurt and you're in that training room and everybody else is going to meetings and practice, it's a lonely world. Yeah, yeah, you're on an island. You're an isolated. For sure. You're an isolated person. That's a population where you begin to help. You know what happens? They begin to help you, right? So anyway, that's great. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, we want to be able to provide examples and resources, and you know these stories. And I think that's great what you just shared. A lot of nuggets. Yeah. I guess to kind of turn uh, the spotlight, if you were, uh, Lamont, just to maybe talk a little bit about, you know, an area that you've done a lot of thinking and a lot of programmatic work is in and around the transition side of things. And when you start thinking about, you know, obviously where you started and and where you are today uh, in terms of providing transition services to athletes, if you're thinking about your experience as a whole, what have you learned that's really allowed for more effective transitions out of the game? What hasn't worked that you've seen? And, and where do you think sort of the, the process is going in terms of helping athletes make more productive, uh, more, uh, I guess, easier and smoother transitions out of professional athletics and maybe even uh, collegiate athletics? Uh, Duncan, good questions. Um, um, I think number one is, is you know, having uh, been a coach and having been in a personnel, the one thing that that that's always very clear. There's not one player in the history of sports that's managed to play forever. So 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 that you're 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 going to leave whether you like it or not. It's right? going to happen. And I heard it's a great line. You and, might like and, it. Sports is undefeated. Yeah yeah yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. You you will. You know, um, uh, this is this is this is the this is the number one place. Sports is where you're going to experience 100 percent of job termination in this thing, right? And and it really is not even based on sometimes your performance, right? Uh, you know, so so understanding that and and I think communicating that with athletes early on and through the stages because it's through the league has had tremendous program, right? Um, um, getting with their agents, if you could. And, and, but, you know, you have to prepare. And I've tried to use with the veteran players, like there's always going to be free agency. Matter of fact, um, uh, you know, I usually use uh, that transition piece during the season on Tuesdays because that's tryout Tuesday. So it's off, off on every off day, off day, whether it's a Monday or Tuesday, players would come in, lift it. They're, they're going to bring five or six guys in and try them out. They're trial guys. So if they like a guy, then, then that guy stays. Well, you only get so many players, right? So if you add one, what usually what has to happen? Somebody got to go, right? So, so that's a transition. See, everybody thinks it's about you know when you're done. No, it's about that next day because you're getting evaluated every single day on everything you do by numerous people. So transition. I've told uh, players and communicating that transition um, happens because these conversations in the other side of the building and upstairs are happening. So you have to be in a transit mode, like all the time, and 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 not in a fearful one, but that's the understanding of the business. I think um, uh, 
showing them the value of the things that they can do, right, to prepare for transition. Not everybody's going to start a business. Not everybody's going to go back to school. There's, there's a lot of different things, but finding something that I've always told guys, what would get you to just feel, give yourself permission to think about what gets you out of bed every morning. What would get you up out of bed every day, aside from football? And then let's start from there, right? Um, when transition does happen is I go right to let's, let's talk about the fear factor because I know you're scared, right? And before they go totally on the island of stuck, there's this island I've used <laughs> in my presentations. Like there's an island out here and you're the only one on it because that's stuck. You're stuck. And that's crazy part. You can see land in the background. All you got to do is swim. But I'm afraid to get back in the water, right? Because they tell me I'm done. Our job is to help them know, help them remember that they know how to swim. And, and, and if you get in the water, I use another slide where there's then several swimmers. That's Lamont, that's Steph the league office, that's Duncan at Game Chain. That's all these different people who are in the water that's willing to help you get into the, so you can swim to land, right? And so much like they transition, I've told players, like, look, you've transitioned from high school to college, from college to pros. It, it, it's, it, and there's, at each level, there is fear. And, and if we can conquer, help, let them face fear and understand it, that it's a healthy part of it, right? Um, uh, it, it gives them a chance to at least begin to utilize resources, talk to the right people. Um, uh, I will say this, there's, there's, Duncan, there's more resources than I ever could imagine for athletes today at all levels. Like there's just unbelievable. And then with 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 technology, it's even magnified it even more. So now players, these young folks can now Google a lot of things and don't have to talk to nobody right away, right? Like 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 right away. Um, so I think that you know that 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 part of transition is is kind of you just got to start that early on in the process. And those just healthy conversations. I've I've found that guys are going to be more if they're not getting fired or their job's not threatened. Yeah, they talk about it. You can gain a lot of information, right? Introduce them to various people, right? Um, helping them build a network and showing them how. Don't just say, you know, you got to build a network, usually good. And they don't know how to build a network, right? This the network is built through connections. You got to teach them that first, right? So um, uh, the other question was what? It was a three-part question. Yeah, I was throwing at What have you seen? Um, what have you seen not work? I mean, you know, I'm sure you've had a chance to iterate as you're helping guys transition out. What have you seen actually uh, run into a brick wall? Well, I think, you know, with, I think from the league standpoint, uh, early on, I think we were, we were, we were trying to like do things and almost like mandate things and it was pushing at them. And I think when you start pushing at them and you got to do it, it doesn't work. Right. Um, we, yeah. we were making decisions for them. I think what we ended up doing for the steering committees is we started involving the players in the in the think tank planning process of what works for them, what do they like, and I think once we started doing that, we started seeing things change. But I think you know, you know forcing them to feeling like they have to be forced to do something. Um, um, I think you know having sessions with players, breakout sessions, and you know with some heavy duty topics, right? And you know they have to participate. Yeah, brick wall, right? You, 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 you can't just, you know, hit them in the face with domestic violence. Because if I had a, uh, we had a young, uh, on our podcast, I do a podcast with Kendall Gammon, a 15-year vet in the league called Beyond the Game. And um, it's on the Kansas City Sports Network and on YouTube. And we interviewed Michael Bennett, the former number one draft pick. If you get a chance to listen to it. It was listen, great. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about. Trauma. When you're talking, when you're talking about when, when, when. And he says it when I dealing with domestic violence, like I had enough. I, I shot my mom's boyfriend at 10 years old. 10 years old. Yeah. Put the gun wow. down. I mean, so so I think, you know, we 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 things happen in society and then the league does what it's supposed to be. We, we kind of do like this and then we got to give it to the it, it's it's and, and, you know, one thing my brother and I, we, we we're always big on is like, OK, everything's not their fault. So if you try to go with them and everything is negative. It's a brick wall. They'll shut you down, right? So, you know, it's that when you're trying to build a communication, it, we, have, we have to stop coaches and personnel, people from always focusing on and, you know, like talking about, you know, problems, players with problems, 
right? Like they're bad people. They're not bad people, right? <laughs> right? And so I think that I think that uh, was a brick wall for us from a communication standpoint, and I think from a participation standpoint, but I think, you know, like I said, the league did a great job of listening and, and getting more player perspectives involved in the planning of pro- and timing of programming. Uh, and I think that that helped a lot. That's, um, yeah, that's really quite cool perspective. No, I appreciate that. I think what you just said there was really good. This idea of jamming stuff down players' throats doesn't work. Mandated typically doesn't really drive meaningful engagement. Uh, so yeah, that's those, those are great, great thoughts. Go ahead, Steph. Yeah, um, very different question. But when you reflect back on your career, can you share with us one of those moments that you said to yourself, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I got into this space. Oh, man. Yeah. Bring in the heat, uh, Steph, on that one. I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I will say this, that there's so many meaningful things that I've been able, a player has allowed me to be a part of because, you know, uh, uh, they, they trusted me to, to help them through something. I mean, I've I had a situation where a player was uh, wife was about to you know, give birth and I knew it. We're only we're at a game, mind you. <laughs> and OK, do I tell the head coach? Do I tell the player? Do I tell the head coach? Uh, so I told the head coach, what do you want to do? He said, wait till after halftime. OK, so after halftime, I see the player and told him. I mean, he lit up, right? I mean, just lit up. Took the opening kickoff of the second half. House call, touchdown, right? I mean, I was just, I, I, that was, that was, I get goose pimples today just because it's like, that's wow. It, you know, so from that to, um, you know, uh, a player telling me on a, on a plane, like my wife told me, don't come home, right? Situation happened. Okay, so. Now I got to get you on our way to the, the, the playing whole city, the whole city we're playing. Long, long story short, I couldn't really tell anybody because I had to try to work this player through this because, you know, now I'm watching him. I was hoping that he wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> uh, uh, he didn't. But it was, you know what, it, it was the look in his eye afterward getting on the bus and on the plane. And he's like, Lamont, just I, I know he was scared because he couldn't go home. So we had I have had it figured out for him, uh, and uh, he was so grateful. Just I mean the the emotion of not having to deal with this by himself and not knowing what to do and and being a just all these different things. Uh, two, you know, um, uh, Derek Thomas's situation um, on the way to the Super Bowl gets in the crash, paralyzed, get him to Miami. Um, I'm literally there with my family. I get a call from our president general manager said, you at Disney World? Yeah, I need you to get on a plane. I need you to go to Miami. I go to Miami and Derek is paralyzed and at the Bonacani Center and uh, down there. And uh, me and my assistant at the time, Kristen, we literally traded off weeks of going down there and being with him, right? Uh, and then um, my last week, or my, it was his last week, I get a call. I'm literally going from my hotel to the hospital. Get a call from his mom. She said, Lamont, where are you? I said, I'm just grab some coffee. You want something? She said, no, where are you? I said, I'm literally pulling up now. She said, okay, Derek's going into cardiac arrest. What? So I get upstairs and I'm seeing this room and he had been in rehab. So he had been doing really good. I mean, great. He's in rehab now. Like he's running, and, you know, walking. He's challenged. He's competing. He's trying to get back walk in there and they're wheeling all this equipment because they don't have equipment in rehab. To, so they're wheeling equipment in. I, I'll never forget, this nurse came and grabbed us and said, hey, you know, can you come over here? Like, yes, are you spiritual? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, let's pray. And I tell you folks, I, I, I didn't know. I mean, I was so, I, I, didn't, I was afraid. I was a lot of things, but I knew I had, to, I, had to, I had to stand firm, right? So I'm looking out here through the curtain and and they're working feverishly, feverishly, feverishly on Derek. And the lady comes in and says, gone. And they're wheeling stuff out. Mom walks out there and I'm looking at this scene, this big giant room and people are watching his mom look at her son and walk around the bed. I mean, I'll tell you something, you're talking about like, that's why I do it. And be, to, to carry her. And here's the crazy part where, uh, this particular hospital in Miami, uh, Vic Memorial, I think it's Miami Memorial, I think that's what it's called. Um, 
Derek's mom was a nurse. That's where Derek Thomas was born, and that's where he passed away, in the same hospital. And to make that call back to Kansas City to our president general manager, the phone just dropped in Carl's office. It, it, it was, it was, a, it was just unbelievable, man. It was just, it, it was, you know, that's, and I had to face fears because I don't do well with, with funerals, that kind of thing. And so I had to face some fears in that. Um, um, but, you know, Steph, to answer your question, like, like those are real situations, you know, that, that, that happen. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's so there's some there's a lot, but you just look at the the the, the enjoyment, and then you look at the second scenario. You know you're helping a player through a real life situation, and you know some of his teammates are knowing what's going on, so they're watching. And then you have this where you have an icon, and you know this thing was all over the world for this young man and organizing, you know, now I became the organizer. Me and my assistant, Kristen, we became the organizers of everything. Flights, I mean, you name it. It, it, it So, you know, um, uh, I've been very, 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 I say blessed and fortunate, like to be involved, but, but I, I've been allowed to do that, but it's been the trust part, folks. I mean, I, you know, I think our listeners, it's like, if you, if, if you hold on to your trust, you figure out your why, but then hold on to your trust. Let that be a guiding light. But um, you'll never be short of, you're in this business, whether you're at Division Three, NAIA, Division One. you're helping people, you will have a, a plethora of different moments, right? Um, if you're enduring state of course. Yeah. And when you share those stories, and thank you for sharing, you know, even though the results were different for all of them, there was a common two common things. One is you and the other is the trust that they had with you. And that last story to think that his mother reached out to you, where are you? I need you there. And that speaks volumes about the relationship that you had built. And you're, you're right. It's not all the, you know, people think sports often is all the glitz and glory. Um, it's all the stuff that happens behind the curtain um, that people don't realize that allows the showmanship to happen on the field, the court, the pool, whatever. Um, so thank you for your, you know, commitment throughout these years and for being there for those players and the families. Well, I appreciate that, Steph. And that's why, you know, on our podcast, Beyond the Game, and I think that's another opportunity for listeners to go in because it really is about what happens behind the scenes. Like we we operate in player engagement behind the scenes. I mean, who else can we talk about our industry to? Who else? I mean, it's not like a, a, you can't just it's not go. not a huge industry, man. It's not yeah, huge. I mean, who do you talk to, right? And so uh, uh, I just think that it's a it's a uh, opportunity for uh, for for us to do this work. And um, like I said, I I, I know uh, what what PAD stands for. I, I, Duncan, I know what you've been doing over these years. The commitment is there uh, this, to see the numbers grow and to hear people talk about uh, pads and and having a place like like for professional athletes. Development service. I mean, that's huge, and so which is a huge guiding light. Um, that you know, I we I didn't necessarily have a guiding light, but but I did because you know, God was inspired everything that I've done um, uh, in, in my deal. And you know, uh, I love people. Uh, Steph's been on me a long time, and um, I know sometimes listeners, you may not, you may aspire to be something at the top of the ladder, but in this business, it's about the wrong. It, it's about the rung, and, and and if you don't happen to get there at this top, it's the rung. Remember the rung because that is really the most enjoyable thing you're going to uh, get out of it because you get a chance to change people's lives. And I know, as Steph mentioned, on the field that that's just that's the release point. That's the that's the where I can forget three hours. But if I've been dealing with stuff all through the week for hours. Three hours of relief is not going to make it go away. I need to know that I got, you know, Duncan. I need to know that I got Steph. That, you know, a guardrails for me, you know, as I'm going in and when I'm getting done playing. So, uh, no, it's it's a. I, I wouldn't want to do. Uh, I aspired to be a general manager, and God had different plans for me. So I could have been a general manager and got fired after the second year. You <laughs> 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 said, Lamont, yeah. you know, do you want to play in the field? Yeah, sure. I want a ten-year football career. He's like, well, you can, you can have that or 
maybe one year or I, I'll, I'll, I'll prepare a 24-year career for you in the National Football League helping people. And I made the right choice, I think. And my brother, having been a 25-year, you know, 24-, 25-year veteran in this league, uh, the same. So uh, we just love the space. And we have some great people at the, all these different clubs, great men and women who've been doing this for a long time. You can interview definitely any one of them. Duncan, you know most, basically all of them. Um, they all have a, they all have stories. And I think our, these Absolutely. listeners can use just more. I'm just one person. Well, again, I, I greatly appreciate you taking the time to kind of share. I mean, there's a ton of knowledge you've been able to kind of pass along here in, in just under an hour, which is about how long we've been going. So again, on behalf of our global partners, thanks a ton for taking the time. If you guys want to learn more about what Lamont is doing, obviously check out the uh, Winston group online. You can check out the podcast. What was the podcast again? The podcast is Beyond the Game. Uh, it's at the Kansas City Sports Network. It's also on YouTube, and you can go to the Winston Group biz, find out more about what we're doing. And if um, we're, we're there for resources for your listeners to help them uh, uh, put together their programs at their various universities, if that's a, if that's a help to them. Uh, and again, I, I'm always open for a conversation. Um, so uh, if you need me, uh, your listeners, they know where to find me. Phenomenal. And again, appreciate it. I think was we, you know, it's funny. One of the things you were saying before we got started, and I loved it, uh, was that this idea that, you know, you've been able to innovate in the space, but, you know, the innovation doesn't happen overnight, right? Like, you know, you've got to continue to push and continue to push. You know, people are going to tell you no. Uh, if you want to make changes in this industry, it doesn't happen overnight. And you got to continue to push. you got to deal with the no and then keep grinding. And I think you're a perfect example of somebody that's been able to do that over the long haul and continue to improve what's going on. Uh, in the game to help athletes have better outcomes long run. So again, it's been awesome to have you on here. And again, it's a a pleasure to kind of be able to pick your brain a bit and learn about your experiences. So again, thank you very much, man. Uh, Duncan and Steph, I I will say this, unless the world blows up, which is, you know, not good for anybody. Yeah. Well, as we film this in, or sorry, as we tape this in May 22. (laughs) There's never going to not be athletes. And our athletes have been the saving grace for everything that's happened in our country and it happens around. It brings something, it brings folks together. It did the same thing through the pandemic. It's, it's so, so, so there's always going to be athletes. There's always going to be sports and therefore there's always going to be a need for folks like us and you. So I thank you guys on behalf of the Winston group. Uh, again, we thank you and uh, good luck. Thanks a ton. And with that, we'll thank wrap. You. Thanks again, guys. Mm-hmm.